Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, December 18, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, December 16th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 19,759. That's 19759. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 19,760. That's 19760. This morning, A Vision for You presents Ideals, Practicing the Principles. The twelfth step states, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The twelfth step sums up our twelve-step recovery program as a lifetime undertaking based on the practice of spiritual principles and service to others. The transforming power of the 12 steps is now focused on the whole of life, in which we are dedicated to a way of life that involves the practice of spiritual principles in all our affairs. These principles are the principles and ideals embodied in the 12 steps. Having learned to practice them in our initial implementation of the 12-step process and with other program members, we face the big question that Bill Wilson posed in the AA 12 and 12. What about the practice of these principles in all our affairs? Can we love the whole pattern of living as eagerly as we do the small segment of it we discover when we try to help other alcoholics, or for us, compulsive overeaters, achieve sobriety? Can we actually carry the AA spirit, the OA spirit, into our daily work? The challenge we meet in the 12th step is to transfer our practice of the program's great principles into the whole of our lives. It is our call to honesty with self and others, to humility, to prayer and meditation, to the lifetime occupation of self-examination with step 10, and to service to others. It means seeking to know the will of our higher power, acknowledging our character defects, admitting our mistakes, and making amends for them, taking responsibility for that which we can change in life, and accepting the things we cannot change in our lives. Practicing these principles in the final analysis, is learning to live life on life's terms. It is truly embracing reality. 
joining us today to speak on the topic of ideals, practicing the principles, is Abby D., a recovered compulsive overeater from Michigan and a beloved member of A Vision for You. And it's with great appreciation and delight to welcome Abby D. to the line this morning. Good morning, Abby. All right. Thank you so much, Leah. Hi, everyone. My name is Abby D. I'm a recovered member of Overeaters Anonymous, um, recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. I'm grateful to be here today. Thank you so much. Um, I've recovered listening to A Vision for You and working the steps, and so it's just um, a great opportunity from God to be able to share my story with you today and I just want to take a moment to bring God in and just remember that I'm here to share what God has given me and um, in hopes that I can be helpful to somebody else. So with that I will begin. Um, Today I want to talk about ideals, practicing these principles. Um, I'll start with a little introduction about myself and then today I'll probably focus most on the two biggest relationships that I have in my life and how I practice those principles as a recovered member of Overeaters Anonymous. So I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 2016. Um, I just want to start my timer real quick. Um, I was very much I was super bulimic um I was ashamed about what I did with food nobody ever knew um well I thought that they never knew it was um being bulimic was something that I was going to take to my grave like it was not something that I was ever going to share with someone um it started at a really early age probably around um you know, like, I don't know, early middle, maybe like early middle school or even before then, I just, I remember always getting a, a an effect, comfort from food. And then um, I learned that I could just get rid of it in order to not gain weight. And so my life had progressed to um, fast-paced lifestyle of addiction and disease all the way through high school all the way through college. Um, I remember in high school I was um, overeating and, you know, leaving my classes to, like, be bulimic. And it's just um, very shameful to think about it now, uh, but I'm grateful that when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I heard people telling my story. And um, I remember sobbing through my first entire OA meeting because people were talking about things that they'd done with food and um, I had just hit a surrender like I hit a moment of um, loneliness in my room with the food with the shades drawn and um, I just I told one person that I was struggling with food she told me that she had heard of a, um, a group called Overeaters Anonymous and that maybe I could check it out and Um, So I planned on going to my first meeting that day. I um, broke down and called my mom. I was living in California at the time, and I 
my mom was living in Michigan and she was the first person I told I called her sobbing crying like running out of my house because I had so many people that I had lived with I was living with at the time and I remember it so vividly like she was on the phone and I was crying and I was like I couldn't get words out and she was like what's going on what's going on just tell me what's going on and I was just um I don't know what she thought but she was probably relieved when I told her I had this because I was <laughs> I mean I feel like for any mom who's across the country from her child sobbing crying and can't get words out like she was probably pretty worried but when I told her I just said you know mom I'm bulimic and that was the first time I had um, ever said those words out loud. And um, she was supportive. And, you know, I told her I was going to go to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And um, to this day, she's been, like, such a big support of mine. And, um, yeah, just it's a, it was beautiful to be able to say out loud those words that I had been holding on to for for so many so many years um so anyways I had a couple years of recovery under my belt I was active in Overeaters Anonymous I was sponsoring other people I was speaking at meetings um for a couple years while living in California and life was good I was following a food plan um but I I started um letting 10 steps build up without doing them um I didn't have a solid like 10 step practice and I wasn't really taking good care of myself emotionally and um I ended up adding some extra food to a meal and that turned into like a complete spiralized binge like like worse than I had ever encountered and um it was a whole new level of powerlessness that I had never felt before it was um this extreme desire to stop but couldn't um it was this feeling of hopelessness and despair that I had never felt before almost like I was reaching out um please something somebody save me and um crawling on my skin like didn't know how or what to do and um I called someone in vision and this person um gave me some phone numbers and um i was honest with my sponsor at the time right away like i didn't hide it but i couldn't get out like i couldn't get i wanted to stop and i couldn't and so i ended up um reworking the steps i got a few days under my belt just white white knuckling it and then I worked the steps like I was on fire um and it was a couple of months of uh of that I um I had even relapsed when I got to step four trying to do step four went back to the beginning and then I I like hunkered down and everything with like with everything I possibly had inside my body I just hoped and prayed and asked God to help me with that and um and I worked my butt off on my fourth step and I um I basically hospitalized myself while I was working the steps I didn't I didn't like go to any social engagements like I did the very bare minimum I could until I was through the steps and um and 
that was four years, a little more than four years ago. So I'm grateful to have four years of continuous abstinence today and, um, and practicing these principles throughout my life. So the food is neutral, um, but I do stay, I stay connected to God. I stay connected to my sponsor. I've had a sponsor throughout this time, um, worked the steps with different people and, I stay close to my fellows and sharing anything that is ruling my mind. Um, I've realized that throughout, um, throughout this whole process, I've realized that my mind is what rules me and um, I have to stay really close to God with what thoughts pop into my mind. Um, my two biggest relationships today that I wanted to focus on are Myself as a teacher, I'm a third grade teacher. I feel blessed to be um, trusted with little children in my care every day. And then I'm a wife. I'm a new wife. I just got married in September. Um, literally could not have done that without this program. It's, it kind of brings me to tears to just think about like how grateful I am to have a partner in life and um, knowing where I used to be. So what I used to be is um, I was horrible in relationships, I in romantic relationships, well, all relationships really, but especially romantic relationships. I was dishonest. I was all about myself. I was active in the disease. I was, um, I was very much running in self-will and I wasn't thinking of a relationship as being of service to someone. I was thinking about what I could get out of it and I wasn't, I did not have the other person's feelings and, uh, like I didn't have their best interest at heart. It was all about myself and I didn't know that until doing inventories and realizing how my life was kind of a mess. What I used to be like in teaching is I would be watching the clock to see when I could leave. I would be raiding the staff lounge for food completely in my mind the whole time trying to get the kids to be quiet and you know with busy work or whatever to try to get through the day so that I could leave immediately after school practice my addictions and race around town to whatever food place I was going to next so and it's just it was very much again about myself and not about the best interests of the students and to this day I have a living amends to make sure that I am practicing these principles in all my affairs because I don't want to go back to where I was so I worked the steps and this is mostly well a lot of this is going to be talking about like the fourth step the inventory process which I also use for the tenth step now so on the big book, in on page 69, it says, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. 
So by doing my fourth step and my continuous 10 steps, I'm able to see where am I, where was I being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid? Where was I at fault? And what could I have done instead that was better? And seeing this helps me establish an ideal for what kind of person I want to be. When I first did my ideal, like a while ago, the first time of my relationship ideal, I wrote down everything I wanted in another person. (laughs) And ideally, that's what I would get. And it's funny to me to think about that because I don't have any control over other people. And so if I focus on other people, like, I'm out of luck, really, because I'm going to be staying stuck and other people are wrong and I'm hurt and I'm sore or burned up like the big book says. And so what I now know as my relationship ideals are as a result of doing inventories, I can see where I have been wrong and how I could, what I could strive to do better next time. And um, so I've done multiple fourth steps throughout the years. The first one was probably just like, just uh, like, I, it was very long, but it was kind of like the minimum. And like, then I did it a year later, a couple months later, whenever I've, I've continuously worked the steps with different sponsors in different areas of my life. Um, I can talk about that maybe another time, but I've had multiple four steps that different big, uh, like big focuses of the fourth step each time. And there was a couple of times that they were focused mostly on my romantic relationships. And so I've, I feel like God is nudging me to, to speak mostly about that today. I have a lot of experience in doing inventories, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. So it is really important for me to have continuous review of my conduct through the 10th step. So in the big book on page 70, it says, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We asked God to mold our ideals and to help us live up to them. Whatever our ideals turn out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. So I know that whatever I see as a result of my inventories, I must be willing to grow toward something better. I have to. My life depends on being willing to to grow towards that ideal. And I have this opportunity for this new relationship, especially, you know, with my husband. And I'm I really want to do like everything in my power to protect it. And I know that what I can do is I can work the 12 steps and I can stay, I can stay connected with God as a result of that. So there's, uh, it says on, on page 70 again, it says, suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean that we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and we have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. This literally could be my favorite paragraph in the big book um, because I am making mistakes almost on a daily basis. Well, 
pretty much on a daily basis. But when it comes to my relationship with my husband, I know that if I'm truly sorry for what I've done and I have the honest desire to let God take me to better things, that I will be forgiven. And so when a situation happens, I tell on myself, I talk to my, I talk to a fellow, um, not just talk about it, but I inventory it and I, I share it with someone. I talk to my sponsor and I do know better for the next time. So I have to be constantly like checking my motives and being honestly sorry in my heart. And then making amends helps me not repeat the behaviors. So one story about how amends helps me is I used to be a very big gossiper at work. And when I was doing my steps, I realized there was literally a group of people at work that I would gossip to all the time. And I made amends to each of those people for the same thing that, not that I was gossiping about them, but that I was, I made an amends for just being a negative person at work and complaining and that just I admitted to them that I was wrong and that I know I want to strive to be someone who's honest and closed mouth and positive at work and when I go to think about gossiping now I think about those times because I literally made amends multiple times to the, about the same thing to multiple people and I don't want to have to do that again. Like I remember those times of making amends. It helps me not do it again. So for me, it, it does often take more t- more than one time of messing up uh, to be able to really have like a solid ideal for something. I'll tell you a story about school. So I was um, I was getting on kids about being tardy to school and a little bit more strict, like talking to them, you know, telling them the importance of being on time. And then I found myself being late places, like literally right after that, I was late to taking them to their gym class. I had been late taking them to their music class, just a few minutes, but still. And I was late picking up my dog from the dog sitter and just by a few minutes, but still. So it helps me it helps me remember, you know, what I'm practicing should align with what I'm also wanting others to do. Like if, if I'm looking at others and taking their inventory, like let's take a look at myself and see if I'm doing the same thing. And it helps me just have, give myself grace and also give them grace because we're not perfect human beings. Um, And I, I depend on God So another story about being in the kitchen with my husband. So I repeatedly made amends for he would have this scrubber, like the kitchen dish scrubber, and it would be in the bottom of the sink. And I wanted it on the top of the sink. Like I didn't want it in the sink because I didn't want it dirty. And I, for whatever reason, this bothered me and I had asked him a couple times to, you know, keep the keep the brush up on the sink and a couple times like he'd do it and then it would be back in the bottom of the sink and I was just so getting so mad about this little sink brush. So 
I had overreacted. Like I had overreacted a few times and then I felt guilty about it. And, you know, I had had a negative tone with him or gotten mad at him about things. And, and it took me a few times of feeling really bad about it to like, I can say, Hey babe, sorry about that. Like, you know, I want to react differently the next time, but it, it did take me a few times to not react to that. And, um, so it helps me know that like I need I need to practice these principles at home. And so now I do ten steps whenever there's like kitchen stuff going on, it seems to be <laughs> it seems to be something that I struggle with is stuff in the kitchen, whether it's cross contamination or if it's like cleanliness. And I just need to remember that I'm not perfect either. I sometimes leave you know, things out in the kitchen and I can't be like monitoring my husband like that. I don't want him to be living in a place where he doesn't feel comfortable to be because I'm on him like that. That's not, that is not what God would have me be in my ideals with my husband. So today it's funny because like sometimes the brush is in the sink <laughs> and sometimes it's on the sink and I am neutral around it like I don't really care anymore and I think that is a direct result of going to God God is really probably the only one that could ever move that obsession and I believe it was from doing 10 steps so page 70 in the big book says if we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others we are quite sure to drink so yikes, first of all, that that is like a little jolt of like, I better be practicing these principles with my husband. Like I better be practicing these principles at school as a teacher. Like I should not be raging through other areas of my life or else I will be quite sure to drink. That scares me. And so it's so, so important that every time I speak rudely to my husband or to my students in the classroom, just to remember that it actually has the potential to kill. So how important is that brush in the sink? Like, is it worth my sobriety? No. And I know that logically, like I know that, but I don't know that in my heart and I'm not free of the obsession until I do the 10 steps, give them away repeatedly and continuously make amends and continuously know that like, okay, God, like help me with the help me live up to these ideals that you've showed me of who I want to be. I can't live up to these things that I want to live up to without God's help. I just can't do it. So I could actually go back out because of this. And this just does remind me also of my step one experience because it was so bad when I relapsed that knowing how bad it was motivates me to practice these principles in all of my affairs. So I don't ever, 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 ever want to go back to where I was that relapse four years ago. Like, I don't, I don't want to go back there. And so that's what motivates me to make amends to my husband. And that's what motivates me to make amends to my students. And so I just want to talk about I have some stories about how I've worked my program through these times. 
when I first came in, I was single. I was not in a relationship and I got sober and I worked the steps, but then I started dating and it was interesting, um, dating, having like a conversation about why I refrain from certain things, like certain foods, why I weigh and measure my food. Like I could only go on so many dates that were non-food related until it came up. And I kept it real light at first with non-food um, dates. Like our first date was like a walk in the park. <laughs> That's interesting that it was a walk in the park because it actually wasn't easy, but we went for a walk and then, you know, we did other things like we did like a paddle boat ride and we did some things that were non-food related. But once we actually started dating, like I couldn't avoid the topic. He was going to see me weighing, measuring my food. I had to kind of explain to him why I didn't eat sugar and why I didn't eat certain things. And um, so yeah, so I had to I had to have those conversations, and I didn't do that alone. I did that with people in the program who t- who told me their experiences, how they did it, and and another. And he was supportive, and it was fine. Like I was scared, but it was it ended up being fine. And I know that I need to do that because I've been in previous relationships where I've been embarrassed, like oh, this person's gonna think I'm weird or whatever. And so I try to kind of like manipulate my food to be more like theirs. And I'm not solid in my foundation of, no, I need to do this for me. And I've ended up like relapsing because I've been afraid and I've let my food get like all wonky. And so I knew getting into a relationship that one of the my must like one of my deal breakers was like I had to have someone that was supportive of me in OA and I had to be comfortable with my food around this person and it wasn't always comfortable like trying things for the first time but I had to have someone that was ultimately like supportive it doesn't mean that I wasn't afraid to do things like when I weighed and measured with his family, you know, going over there for the first time and, and having my scale. Like I, I tried to not weigh and measure. And this is, everyone has different, like I, I have found for me that it helps me when I weigh and measure. Do I have to every time? I don't know, but like, it just, it helps me know I've tried it without and there's mental energy that's flying around in my head that prevents me from being present with the people I'm with when I'm not. So I just, for me right now, that's where I'm at. So like in restaurants, I, I wanted to go to a restaurant. I wanted, I wanted to bring my scale, but I was embarrassed. And where did I learn how to do it? I learned that from people in this program, my friend, my dear, dear friend who I love so much, she, is confident and she's confident and she had more confidence than me in bringing a scale to a restaurant and so I learned from her she kind of told me what she does and I remember I was so nervous the first time I had this little scale anyways after I did it my husband like fist bumped me under the table I don't think anyone noticed I went to the bathroom and I called my friend and I was just like jumping for joy like I did it I did it and these things have been like really memorable for me because 
I don't think people notice as much as I think they do. So another story of when I started living together with my husband, um, how in the world was I going to do 10 steps? Like, I need to do 10 steps throughout the day. And how am I going to explain to him that I need to go talk to someone? How am I going to explain the inventory process? Like, that feels so weird to do. And so I remember in our one-bedroom little apartment, like, I would – just kind of sneak out the door wall, like the sliding door wall, and I would just like go for a walk and come back, and I was fine. Like I would, I would like be all anxious before I left, and I would just like go, and I would come back and not say anything about it, and I was fine. I would do a ten step, and um, my husband, when I was preparing for this talk yesterday, I had asked him permission to say a few things, like share some stories about our relationship, and he said yes, like say whatever you want to say he said I don't know how this works but and I don't I don't need to know how this works but all I know is like that I have all of this now and if whatever your program does gives us this life basically um like I don't need to know I I support it and I it warms me to the deepest place in my heart to hear him say that because this is how I live. Like, this is how I live. This is so much of what I do in my 10 steps and my inventory. It's like helps me show up to be of service to my husband. And um, one thing about being of service to my husband, so like when I'm teaching, I have so many things going on in my mind. And when I leave school, I often have a a disturbance of some sort. And instead of coming home and just like dumping it on my husband, I call someone. One of my ideals that I think God has led me to is when I leave work to do a 10 step on my way home or before I get home, whether that's pull over, do a 10 step. And so I can be free of that. So I'm not like all adrenalized when I walk in the door. So I do a 10 step, I come home, and then right after I do a 10 step, I have to turn my thoughts and my attention to someone that I can help. And oftentimes, right after work, when I get home, it's to my husband. When I walk in the door, I can ask him, how how is your day? Like, how was your day? And he asks me, how was mine? And I say, great. Like, how was, I'm more likely to ask him how his day is and to be of service to him if I'm out of my own head. So whenever I have these obsessions going on, even if it's like, even if we're about to go somewhere, I know it's important for me to be clear in my mind because when I do a 10 step, I know I'm not, I'm not going to be talking about it anymore. Like I do a 10 step. I don't repeat it again. Um, I just, I move on and I'm of service to somebody else. So it prevents me from drudging up all that stuff again. If I, if I do a 10 step and then I tell someone a little while later about it again, it it's like I pick it back up. It's like I gave it to God, but I took it back. And so I'm not free of the obsession. But when I give it away, then I can be of service because I have like a clear, a clear mind and heart. So when we got married, um, there's a quote in the big book on page 88. It says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. On my wedding day, like, 
talk about excitement. Like, if there's one day, like, I just remember thinking so much, danger of excitement, danger of excitement, danger of excitement. Like, I knew on my wedding day, leading up to it, on the day, I needed to be connected with God. I needed to be connected with fellows. And I just want to give a shout-out to a couple of those people, not actually by name, but that were there with me on the day of my wedding day, like literally morning of my wedding on the back porch of my Airbnb doing a 10 step and, you know, texting people like, how do I deal with like all eyes on me and being the center of attention? Like, I don't like this. People are talking about how beautiful the bride is. And like, I don't like, and I, I did 10 steps on that and I reached out and I just, I'm so grateful for those people that checked in with me and that were there for me. And I had a plan with the food and um, my sponsor was actually at my wedding. So grateful. Um, We had a very small wedding and my sponsor was there with me. And one thing that I love about her is that she was always for the past couple of years, like, working this program within her marriage and I feel very blessed to have been able to witness that and there was a special moment like right right before walking down the aisle that I we prayed together and she was with me she was she was with me right before I walked down the aisle and I, it was very important for me to have this little time of prayer and just asking God like God, please help me be the wife that you want me to be. It's a tall order. I get chills, like, through my body. It's a tall order to be a wife. Like, can I do, like, please help me. Help me be honest. Help me be kind. Help me always be working towards my ideals. Help me be staying on my program and just, like, help me be this wife that you've given me this opportunity to be. And, and I said my vows, and um, so I got I got married, and it was just very special to be able to do that, like have program be there with me on that day. And so today, um, what my life is like today is I do 10 steps daily. I remember the very first time someone teaching me to do a 10 step, it relieved me of the feeling of wanting to eat, and from then, I on I knew that it was something special in the process of doing that. So I wake up and I do my morning meditation. I leave a half hour before the morning meeting, the vision meeting, to do like six thirty to seven because I just know I'm gonna have a ten step. So I, I kinda like schedule time in case I need it and most days I do. So I can do a ten step before the meeting and I try to get on the meeting and then I go to work. And so my friend, I have a friend who we talk very frequently throughout the week and we're very similar in our days. And I just am really grateful for her because we exchange 10 steps so regularly. And it's it's a friend that I learned, or it's a friend that I met as a result of Vision for You and and just you know, the the connections that I have in the app, an app where there's lots of people that do 10 steps together. I met her through that, and we've been friends for years, and I'm just really grateful. And so um, 
I have a lovely sponsor today who reminds me to be like to always continue to help me seek my relationship with God. I feel comfortable telling my sponsor various things. I feel love from the conversations. I feel I feel God's presence in the space um, when we connect and when I share. And I feel lovingly supported by her and I feel lovingly supported by my higher power. And I just seek guidance from people in this program who have loving connections with their higher power it's it's the only thing that fills me that space inside of me that I used to fill with substances and um so today I I do really really care about my students I care about their well-being I care about how prepared I am how creative my lessons are um, I care about handling like their emotional entanglements throughout the day. These are honestly some of my favorite moments, helping them repair relationships. There, I have something in the classroom that I call four-star apologies, and it's basically how I've taught my students to make amends, but in kid words. And they state where they were wrong and then they apologize and they state what they want to try to do next time and then they ask is there anything that I can do for you to make it up to you and these are things that I've learned that have helped me and watching kids repair their relationships and and make amends to people and having them witness me apologizing to them and making amends to them and it's it's a beautiful it establishes such a beautiful um a beautiful place of comfort and love and it's not always that you know like in it's busy it's busy in the classroom and and there's things that happen but it is there is something very special about seeing kids seeing kids uh making amends to one another and i wouldn't have been able to model that if it weren't for this program so I try to be the most positive coworker I can. I I highly value having good relationships with the students' parents. This used to be one of my fears of my job, like kind of my least favorite part is handling issues with parents. And now it's it's one of my favorite parts of the job besides speaking to them about social emotional things, helping them work through their entanglements, being creative. Like there's a lot of things I like about my job, but I am a teammate with the parents. And instead of being afraid of them, I'm, I'm on their team. And I, I feel like I have, like God has given me the ability to, to have positive relationships. And so there's, being a partner with my husband, there's simple apologies at home, just letting him know quickly that I was wrong. There was this time that I just think is so cute where I came to him. I, I realized I paused after a not so ideal situation or one of my reactions and I paused and I gave some space and I came back to him and I said, babe, like, can I make an amends? And he said, he said, Oh, I knew that you would make amends. I was just waiting for it. And so <laughs> I thought that was so funny because he's 
he has told me before he likes that I'm reflective and um and he knows that amends is coming and so it allows us to have conversations it helps it helps it allows us to have continuous conversations where maybe in the past it would have created these arguments or these moments would have created a lot of distance and nothing would have been repaired the amends have taught me how to repair and restart that conversation after like an awkward silence. So I'm a better friend. I used to just dump on my friends. I'm a better family member. I know the importance of healthy relationships now. Some situations in my life are definitely left unfinished. They're still in progress of seeing what God has to unfold it. I'm not saying every relationship in my life is perfect. There's definitely some things I still struggle with, but I do trust that God is unfolding it and the program is going to be here for me and fellows to help me through it. So big book page 70 says, we earnestly pray for the right ideal. We earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. And page 69 says that we treat sex as if we were any as if we would any other problem. So, if sex or any other problem is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. So, if anything in my life is very troublesome, I throw myself harder into helping others. Um, for example, when I first started to date, my mind got a little kooky and I was kind of just, I felt like I was spinning a little bit more and I threw myself harder into helping others. I picked up some sponsees and, um, and I course corrected, like I, someone told me that, and this does not relate to the food being a hundred percent entirely abstinent. This relates to my behavior. So Someone told me, um, you know, if a pilot is flying a plane and there's turbulence, they don't turn it around and go back to where they started. They just, they course correct and they keep going. And this is kind of how I just got back on track with my wonkiness of being in my mind and just kind of feeling a little uneasy in life with the new process of dating. So I did have sponsees especially around the wedding day I remember having scheduled calls like the day before and I don't think I had scheduled calls the day of but I did stay in contact with people that day but like working with others really helps me stay in the big book and it helps me practice these principles in all my affairs I can't be sharing with somebody else what the big book says and then do the opposite in my own life so um, I'm just, I'm really grateful. I just want to end with that as, you know, as I was talking with my husband yesterday about things that I was going to say, his support, he's, he's here, he's not right next to me, he's downstairs, but his support does mean a lot to me. And I'm I'm grateful that he did share with me that, that when he gets this, he doesn't need to know all the details. And it reminds me of like, I don't need to know all the details of God or how this works or analyze, like analyze everything. 
I just need to know that it does work. As a result, I am living a beautiful life today, free of the food, free of being bulimic, and and it works. And I have a beautiful life today that is not free of problems, but because of this program, I have tools and steps and exact directions in order to get to the other side and to be ultimately to be a better person. So thank you so much for allowing me to share and I hope everyone has a beautiful day. Thank you, Abby, for such a beautiful and profound presentation this morning, so rich with recovery. Thank you for your honesty and your sharing your personal experience and insights with all of us. A beautiful message of hope and possibility. Thank you so much, Abby D. Today's share ID, 19,763. That's 19763. We will offer Abby's contact information at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will transition at this time to a question-answer segment. You can pose a question to Abby, questions only, by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name, please. Katie G. Melissa B. Lisa B. Loretta H. Lauren B. New Jersey. This is who I have, and I missed someone from New Jersey. I have Katie G, Melissa C, Lisa B, Loretta H. I believe I heard a Nahama. Dana and, P? I'm sorry? Dana it P. Was Lauren, Dana Lauren P. Grace, it was Lauren Grace B, New Jersey. Gotcha, Lauren Grace. Okay, this is a good list. Let's go ahead with Katie G, followed by Melissa C. Hey, Leah, good morning. Thanks so much for your service. And thank you, Abby. What a powerful presentation. Just really wanted to hear you talk about <clears throat> that word balance and how you have had to adjust your life going from a single woman to having a husband and um, also the requirement that or the promise that the book says that I can have immunity from compulsive eating through intensive work with others. Um, thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much, Katie, for your question. I hear the word balance, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is such a constant, pro like, it's such a constant work in progress. So I have had many sponsees at one time. For example, when I first started dating, I picked up a few at a time like I picked up a few and like to start to be working full-time and working my program full-time which feels sometimes my 10 steps like I have a few in a day and so it's not it's not I don't take that like that that takes time and then you know just I have a dog I don't have kids yet but I have a full life and um so when I was first dating, I definitely had more sponsees and it hit a point where I was a little bit overwhelmed. And so I had to 
as a result of doing inventories on that and fear inventories of not having enough time, I have created a not not me. God has put on my heart to have like an ideal around how many sponsees I feel comfortable taking through the steps at one time. So I have a number that for me, I just, I feel most comfortable with like a couple just because like one or two, because I, it's pretty intensive at first. And I talk to them a few times a week and um, a lot of times my service is at my, is my job. Like there's, if I'm if I do a quick ten step at work or right before work and I have to turn my thoughts and attention to someone I can help, like I don't have time to be making outreach calls, but I do have time to be more attentive to my students when the bell rings. You know, the bell rings, kids are walking in, I don't have like a lot of time. I'm not a very much of a time crunch if I do a ten step right before work. So I see a lot of my service in my job. I see service when I'm kind and calm and respectful and present with my husband, I feel service when I'm with my family uh, being present. I feel service when I'm with my friends asking about how they are doing instead of dumping on them. And then I see service when I'm taking people through the steps and when I'm on meetings and I'm, you know, leading meetings. If no one, if no one shows up to lead or if I can do a reading, like I, I see service there too. I see service when I'm taking care of my dog. I can be of service in all these areas that for me, it's changed in the amount of sponsees I have because I want to also be able to be a loving wife and not be on the phone constantly because then I'm going to be ultimately not practicing these principles with my husband. He does work out of town. So there's um, days where he's home that I try to, have special time with him and then there's days where he's gone where it's like okay I have time to be scheduling multiple calls if I wanted to so um, that's what I've got thanks for the question thank you Katie G now we have Melissa C followed by Lisa B hi good morning first of all that was like you killed it (laughs) that was really really good and I would love, you know, I would love for you to be my colleague across the hall. I heard such great stuff. Um, my my question is, um, you know, when we change the relationships, um, especially professional relationships, change as well. And I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit about that. Like, have you had difficulty, you know, um, with the complaint train and the gossip? Um you know, feeling still a connection with your colleagues and able to work, you know, um, with your colleagues, although you're different now, you're changed now. Thanks, and I'll pass. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, it would be so lovely to <laughs> be colleagues. Like, if I had some attempt step buddy, like, in my school, that would be so cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't party, drink, eat all this food, you know, so it's hard to sometimes connect, but I do find connections and shared interests with my colleagues. So today, actually, right after this, I'm meeting up with one of my colleagues at school who 
I just, I love, like, she's so positive. She's so fun. She laughs a lot. I like being around her. And, um, and one of the shared things that we have is school. So we're going to be working on uh, wrapping up a holiday project that I last minute decided to do with my students, which is why I'm finishing up it on a Sunday. Usually I don't do that. But, like, we're going to get together and we're going to do that. And so I – and I have expressed, like, sometimes that I just love her little kids. She's got two little kids and they're so cute. And I was like, maybe sometime I can pop over after work and we can just, you know, hang out for an hour or so. And so it's finding moments like that where I feel like it's really special. And I love my team. So I'm on a third-grade team of five. There's five third grade classes I work in a big school and so when we have like team meetings I feel like it's so special because I like my team a lot and so I feel like I'm kind of hanging out with them there and as for like hanging out outside of school I don't I don't really hang out outside of school I find a lot of joy in the times that we can be social together at school there's actually a happy hour coming up this Thursday that I'm going to go to and so, like, I'm not participating in the food or the drinks, but I'm there for the, for the, I don't know, the the company. And I've done that before, too, where, like, they've all gone out to eat, and I brought my own lunch. It was, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing. And they were, like, oh, just don't eat your lunch. Just come with us. And I was, like, oh, I really want to eat my lunch. <laughs> and they were, like, I didn't go into detail, but I find that sometimes when I do share like other people have struggles too. And so if I if I feel like someone's asking, like I I don't always like they don't know that I used to be bulimic. But I just haven't found I'm new to the team this year. I just changed grade level. So it's kind of new relationships. If I find a moment where like today if she asks me about my food, like I I'll I would feel comfortable sharing that. And I feel like God gives me the words to say if it could be helpful to somebody else. And I don't know who's struggling with this behind closed doors. Like on my body, no one could see from the outside that I was, that I had compulsive overeating. I didn't wear it on my body, but um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have super close relationships like where we hang out outside of school with the people at work, but I do find that I have like lovely connections and a lot of joy in those relationships while I'm doing my job at work and some extra stuff like the happy hour and the holiday stuff that we're going to do today. So yeah, hope that helps. Thanks, Melissa C. For the question, Lisa B. followed by Loretta H. Okay. Um, hi. Abby, it was so awesome to hear you. Thank you so much for your share. Amazing. I have a, a question for you. So if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing your ideal, specifically with your husband? And if you don't mind, can you share how you do a 10-step? Yeah. So um, thanks for the question. So, 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 got it into this space. Ideals are are personal in the fact that, like, they may be different for everybody else. So I just want to first say that 
my ideals may be different, just like my food plan. So I'm going to tread lightly with this question. I would be happy to share more with you if you want um, to take my number down and I'd be happy to share more. But so for example, I, um, I've had some dishonest relationships in the past. And so I choose, I feel more comfortable sharing 10 steps with females. I feel more comfortable being on the phone with females. Not that I don't trust other people or it just, it just feels safer for me to be like sharing deep things with females. So my husband, I don't think he even knows that I have that idea. Like, I don't, we don't really talk about it and, and he can feel free to talk to, like he has coworkers that are female that he may text like to figure out work stuff or whatever. I don't even like go there. Like I don't look through his phone. I don't ask who he's talking to. Like I just don't. But for me, I know that what feels right to me is to keep it like to keep it with females and this has not always been an ideal like this there has been so many men in this program that have helped me get where i am today so this is a current ideal um that i have felt on my heart over the past i don't know maybe year um let's see other ideals with my 10 steps like i i i share 10 steps before coming home or try to not dump on him um, I try to work things out with, like, stuff with my sponsor, like, really sticky stuff. I don't try to work that out with him. Um, it's more of, like, I, I treat my relationship with my husband as I want it to be fun and light and uplifting, and I want to be of support to him. So if he has something going on, like, I want to be able to lovingly support him and be there and be present. And yes, do sometimes I cry and I have things that are going on in my life that I share with him? Yes, I do. But I try to work out, like, work out issues with people in program and with 10 steps and with other people so that I can just be present. And and I've had relationships that were so enmeshed and, like, trauma bonding and they're just so codependent. And I just, that's what feels right to me is work all this stuff out with fellows. I have a program that I can, so I feel grateful for that. And then be of service to him. And how I do 10 steps is I used to write it out first when I was getting comfortable doing them. I can do them on the fly now. Sometimes it is helpful to still write them out, but most of the time it's um, I feel a disturbance. I ask God to remove it. It does not get removed. So I call someone and I say what I'm upset about. I try to keep it brief. Um, I know that there's a 19 words or less rule when I'm writing them out. When I'm on the phone, I try to keep it super brief. And then I just say, where am I being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid? And I ask God when I say the dishonesties, I say the truth right after. And then at the end, I just ask God to remove this fear, direct my attention to what you'd have me be. I say what God would have me be. I say the seventh step prayer. I think about do I owe an amends? If I say I owe an amends, I think about what that amends would be. I say it out loud. 
and then I ask for feedback. And when I get off the phone, I immediately turn my thoughts and my attention to someone I can help. So whether that's me asking the person on the phone, well, if it's on the phone, I'll ask, like, do you have a 10 step? So then I can hear someone else's. Or if not, I'll get off the phone and I'll see if I can be of service to someone else. So if it's at work, I'll turn my thoughts and my attention to my students. If I'm at home hiding in the basement doing a 10 step and my husband's upstairs, like, I'll come back upstairs and I'll do I'll be of service to him or I'll offer myself available on an app to other people, uh, make an outreach call. I'll, I'll do something. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Lisa B., for the question. Loretta H., followed by Nahama, I believe. Go ahead, Loretta. Good morning, Leah and Abby. Good morning. You are special to me. Libretta H. recovered in North Carolina. Uh, we have begun to learn tolerance and patience and goodwill to all men. Uh, okay, this is the holiday season, and um, I'm just wondering how, when people are having meltdowns and um, in stores or children or whatever in this time of year because it is a very tumultuous time of year and because I am an addict and, of course, my thoughts go to um, the destructiveness. How do you bring that ideal relationship into the moment where you can see God's face? And that's what my ideal relationship tries to do, but sometimes my addiction doesn't. So I just wondered how you deal with that. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Hi, Loretta. Um, okay, so last night I was at a Christmas party, like a holiday, yeah, a Christmas party, and um, it started at 7 p.m. and I was like, "Great, I'm going out the night before. I'm doing my first special edition." <laughs> um, but I, I knew I had this this morning, and I was like really happy I did because I didn't. I don't generally like to stay out late, anyways. Um, but I went for a couple hours, and I was in the mix of um, people doing shots and dancing and lots of festivities, and there was food everywhere and. I was absolutely neutral around the food. I ate before I left, like I ate before I went to the party. Um, I didn't, like I was right at the bar and people were literally doing shots around me and it was sugary shots, like super fancy, like all these things, but they were having a great time. I was able to like be laughing with them that there were some things that were pretty funny and cool happening and, um, I loved, like, you know, watching people, like, dance, and there was just lots of things going on. I realized from that, though, like, my mind got a little cuckoo, and um, so when I came home and I did my nightly review, I made sure to just be telling, like, I just tell on myself what I'm, what I'm, what like, some of the thoughts that I was having. It wasn't necessarily a 10-step, and, like, when I got home, I immediately wanted to go to bed because I wanted to be rested for this morning, but um, there, I just told on myself on my night review, and I sent it to my sponsor. And 
And that's sometimes all it takes is just telling on myself, like, oh, I'm having these thoughts of, like, comparing myself or, like, whatever whatever I'm having, um, the thoughts of. And we came home, and it was – we stayed for a couple hours. I, I know when I need to go home, like, when I was <laughs> – when the shots came out, I was like, okay, let's uh, maybe head home or whatever. But I can be happy for people that are out late doing that. I I particularly don't enjoy it being out super late, but I enjoy being part, like I enjoy that I was with some family and I enjoyed like watching people have a good time. And my husband was there, we were having a good time. And, um, and I'm grateful that I was invited. Like I'm grateful to be, someone that isn't living in my old addiction where I would have like taken over the party probably and maybe you know been doing some really embarrassing things so I'm grateful that I can show up as a sober person I brought my I brought my like hot water mug and I you know had my little like tea bag and they I just you know I just I do what works for me. And with the holiday season, like my husband and I made it really easy where we thought about a gift that we wanted to get for both of our parents. And, um, and like, I'm not out in the stores shopping. I don't particularly love shopping. So that's kind of easy for me because I don't really, like, I would rather order things online. I'm not one that loves like the busyness and the commotion. I do grocery shopping, but Actually, my husband does most of the grocery shopping. But, um, yeah, I'm not really out in the hustle and the bustle. And whenever I have a disturbance, I just do a time step where I tell on myself. Like, I just tell on myself a lot, and that helps. So I hope that is helpful. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Loretta H. Nahama, your turn to pose a question. Or one to mute. Oh, sorry. I got it. Thank you. Nahama S. Happily recovered from Milwaukee. Thank you so much for this meeting and your share. You might have already answered this question, but I, I too work in education and could understand what you said about needing to do a 10 step before you leave and before you walk in the door of that separation. Is there anything different that you do with that 10 step right before you? leave work and what does that look like and what do you do with the things that kind of happen over and over again? Yeah, thank you. Um, when I wake up in the morning, I I first do my prayer and my meditation and sometimes my meditation is hard to even have meditation when my mind, when I'm waking up with something immediately already on my mind. And I have always kind of been like that where I wake up and there's like already a disturbance like before I even like I can already think of something I'm disturbed mostly like fear it's mostly fear um and so I do my prayers and meditation and then after that I just if it's a disturbance like I just put out on the app or I text a friend and say, Hey, are you available? And, and I, I just, I just walked through my 10 step and then I feel like once I do that, it's like, okay, like, 
okay, I can move on. I can like, I can focus on my day and it does go away. Like the obsession is lifted and, um, and it goes away. And if it doesn't, I'll generally give it like a day. And then if it's not gone, I'll do another 10 steps. So if it's the same exact thing that's bothering me, like a day later, I'll just do another 10 step on it. Like I've had to do 10 steps on this on similar things multiple times. Um, and then like if it's during the day and I'm busy at, at school and I can't really like do a 10 step, there have been like little prayers I've said in my mind or like pause for a moment or like the other day I, I, I pretended I was reaching for something underneath my desk and I just said, God help me. And I just ask God into those spaces. Like I try, but I don't always. Like there are times where I'm reactive, which is then I tell myself and I do a, a harms inventory on that and I I try to make amends. And, you know, I'm there's something at the end of every day that I feel like most of the time that I could have done better. Um, but if it's during the day, like, I I just kind of try to do my best until I get a moment where I can do a 10-step. And most of the time, like, on my lunch break, I have 40 minutes, but I sit in quiet. Sometimes I have, kid, like, kids in there that I eat lunch with, which has been a blessing in itself, like, learning how to eat with other people. Um, and I, I just... I enjoy the quiet, so I don't usually do a 10-step on my lunch break. I feel like I need quiet more sometimes. So to me, that's like step 11 is just getting quiet. And I find God in quiet spaces. So I generally will do my 10-step. If I have something during the day, I'll generally do it on my way home or like when I leave school or when I get home, if I have something that's the other thing. It's like driving when I'm doing a 10 step, like lately, I'm like, is this good for me? Or like, I'm. that's just something that's been, I've been wondering lately, like, would, would I be safer if I wasn't driving doing a 10 step? Because I feel like I'm not like the greatest driver anyway. So I'm trying to, that is something that I'm praying and asking God's help with. But either way, when I leave work, sometimes I'm walking out of work and I do my 10 step and, you know, I can sit in the car or I can pull over. So generally that's how I do 10 steps during the day and before my day. And, um, and then I'm listening to the morning meeting while I'm like, getting, sometimes I'm at work, I'm getting my classroom together and I, I start at 8:25, So I'm usually there getting there when the meeting's still going and I'm trying to listen and, I don't always listen to the entire thing and some days I can't get on and that's fine because there's things in my like present life that I need to be present for. Like if I'm trying to lesson plan and figure out what I'm doing for the day, it's hard to listen at the same time. So there's some days where I can't, but I just try to do my best with what's in front of me. So hope that's helpful. Terry Kay. Thank you, Nahama. We're moving on to Dana P. Your question, please. Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Dana P. here. Um, wow, Abby, love your uh, share, and I'll be talking to you offline, I'm sure. Um, my question is around, you shared about your students and how you taught your students uh, sort of the amends process, and I'm wondering how that uh, translates over to your relationship with your husband. 
you know, certainly when we're in a relationship, there's two, and when we're dancing and learning to dance, that we step on each other's toes. So I'm wondering how that sort of translates into your relationship with your husband. And, yeah, that's my question. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. So I use the same format as I did with my students, like with my husband, and he's pretty used to it. So usually how it goes is I feel myself bubbling up about something or getting angry and I'm trying to have a conversation and my words are coming out sideways. And then I realize that my words are not kind and helpful or my tone of voice, or I'm just being like a tornado or I'm being like all adrenalized. Usually this is what happens. My husband's really calm. And so he's usually not the one accelerated. It's usually me. Um, And then I will realize it and like sometimes it is either I realize it right away or I go downstairs or yeah like go downstairs in my laundry room like wherever I can get a space and I make a phone call and I do a 10 step and I say how I was like self-seeking and um, resentful and you know, I say, I go through where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or afraid, and then I pray, and I ask God to remove it, and I say, you know, I was, I think I do owe an amends to my husband, I was whatever, whatever I did, and then I will walk back upstairs, and he will be there, and I'll just say, like, you know, I was wrong, or, or I'll ask, like, hey, I would like to make an amends to you. Can I make an amends to you? And he'll say, yeah. And he is, like, sometimes he smiles and he's like, yep, like, I was waiting for this. <laughs> and I'll just, sometimes it's hard because it's like I'm still, like, upset about it. But I just state where I was wrong and what I could do better next time. And then I ask if there's anything I can do to make it right with him. And if he says, no, like, sometimes he'll be like, no, just love me or something like that. And I'll just say, okay, all right. So then I, like, this is what he wants. He wants love from me. Like, he wants kindness, love. Sometimes he'll say particular things or he'll share more um, and we'll have a discussion most of the time, like, he says, like, there's nothing that, like, he says, no, it's fine, like, and so I just know, okay, like, when he's sweet, (laughs) when he says things like that, I'm like, it makes me want to be, like, a better wife, because I'm like, he is so forgiving, and, like, I'm just trying to do my best, like, I, I know that sometimes I can, my reactions are less than ideal, but I know a lot of times my reactions and my behaviors are ideal. Like, I know a lot of the times that I do treat him with respect, and um, and so, but there are those times that, yeah, I do just make amends. And so, kind of the same way that I've, I have practiced it in my own life is how I started practicing it with the students. And how to, like, especially asking, 
like acknowledgement of wrongs rather than an I'm sorry, like an acknowledgement of wrongs for specific things. And then like stating what can I do better? Because I feel like right after acknowledgement of wrong is like ideal. Okay, now that I know where I've been, like where am I, where am I trying to go? So stating the ideal. And then is there anything I can do to make it right with you? And I trust that like whatever they say is I can let it, like if they say nothing, like I can let it go. I don't need to like keep trying to find a way to like prove that I'm better, like make, you know, buy them a gift or what? Like I, I trust that if, if there was something that I could do to make it right, that I would try to do. And if not, then what my, what I do is I just try to live out my ideal next time. And there, there was one time like recently actually where I made an amends or something and I literally did the same thing. Like, right like after that like I did it again and I was so down on myself and I made an amends again and I said you know I I am clearly missing the mark here like I'm I'm really like I do I do say I'm sorry but I say more like I show that I regret where I was wrong and it took two times that day and I was just like what is going on and I was honest I made amends and then I didn't do it anymore. Like, I was like, okay, like, now I've learned my lesson. Took two times this time, but I've learned my lesson. And, and I just try, like, it's it's not linear. It's sometimes messy, but, um, yeah, that's what I do. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Dana P. And our final question for the morning comes from Lauren Grace B., Good morning, everybody. This is Lauren Grace B. from New Jersey. Uh, Abby, thank you so much for your share. And um, I was just wondering if you could, again, specifically give the steps for the four-star apology. I just, I'm so grateful for teachers like you that have this right in their classroom. So if you could share that again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I wrote on the poster. It's like this poster that's hanging in my class. So I think the first one was maintain eye contact because I found that kids were, like, just throwing off and I'm sorry, but, like, looking in another direction. So I think I added that in there, like, eye contact. And then, so that was, like, if they do all these four things, then they get four stars. And so, like, a one star is eye contact. Two stars is I'm sorry for... Uh, where in my in my world, I would say I was wrong for or... You know, sometimes I say I'm sorry. I'm not too, like, nitpicky about it. But sometimes, you know, I've I've heard people say, like, an I'm sorry isn't really what, like, I should say more. Actually, I don't like the word should. Here I am just talking too much. Okay, so it's either, so the second one is I'm sorry for dot, dot, dot. So they have to say what they're sorry for. Um, three stars is. Next time, I will try to blank. And then four is, is there anything I can do to make it up to you? And it is so cute when the kids ask that question. Like, it's so sweet. Because literally, like, after I taught it, like, the kids would go over by the po- – I'd be like, they tell me something was wrong, and I would – you know, kind of help them work it out. And I'd say, oh, like, is there an apology that's owed maybe? And, um, or do you need to repair the relationship or who needs to make amends? Like, I, I think I tried to like use those words and they'd go over by the poster 
and they would follow it. And um, at the end, you know, the person would say, is there anything I can do to make it up to you? And, and they would say, either play with me at recess or um, no, that's okay or whatever. I don't, sometimes I don't know what they're saying. But then I'll look at them and it's worked out and I'll say, oh, like, did you, like, that's so wonderful that you were able to work it out. Like, both of you guys go get a pause ticket. And there's these little, like, coupon pause tickets that they they collect and they get to earn things with. And so I try to um, just, like, build them up for, like, working it out. And so, yeah, that that's kind of what they do. It's It maybe needs to be revisited because I have it on the wall, but, um, I haven't taught like a direct lesson on it recently. It was really big, like at the beginning of the year when I first started it, and like it's cute because that parent-teacher conference is like some of the things that the kids said. What they were learning is how to do four-star apologies, <laughs> and I just think it's a wonderful foundation, especially being like in COVID. Kids were online, and so as soon as they got back to school, there's just like a lot of teaching that is needed on how to get along with other people and like me too like I still need to figure out how I'm going to get along with people with God's help so um yeah thanks for the question thank you Lauren Grace B for your question thanks to all who posed questions this morning and of course thank you so much Abby for this beautiful, powerful, and rich presentation this morning. How do we live these principles throughout all our affairs? You gave a great presentation on that very topic this morning. Again, today's share ID, 19,763. That's 19763 for Abby's talk this morning. We're going to close now from page 164, It's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.